Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Basics of Hand Sewing Part 2. Just a few reminders, if you have joined us via Zoom, please keep yourself muted, and there will be time later um, when Hiel will give commands on how to raise your hand and mute and unmute. Just want everybody to know that this is a presentation from the Whole Foundation and Learning Center, which was founded 60 years ago. And there's a lot of things that they do in person in our on our campus in Sandy, Oregon, just outside of Portland, Oregon. And at the end of the session, I will give a little more information to be able to contact the Whole Foundation and Learning Center. And right now they're doing actually a big raffle with prizes like a weekend at the beach and a $200 cash prize. So that's a great thing. And just get your writing utensils ready at the end of the call. We will make sure and give you that information. But right now I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Desiree Christian. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. If you joined me last time. Uh, welcome, welcome. If you decided to drop in this time. Okay, so we have a lot to cover in less than an hour, but that's okay. So if you have not already open up your um, fat quarter, get into it. I went ahead and got myself a fat quarter as well. So I'm starting where you guys are starting. If you feel the fabric, it's not terribly stretchy. It is a cotton. Um, I personally got the ones with lemon on it. Um, sliced lemons with little leaves, it's lovely. But the fabric feels pretty stiff. It's got uh, wrinkles in it from where it was folded, pretty heavy duty wrinkles. And normally what you would do is you would take this fabric, you would throw it in your washer and dryer um, because cotton is known to shrink in, in funny, bizarre ways sometimes. So that's normally what you would do before you use it, regardless of whether or not you're creating garment or if you're quilting. Um, unless you know for sure, you're, you're definitely never, ever, ever gonna wash the fabric. Because what'll happen is if you create something with cotton prior to washing it, uh, it could warp your finished product in weird, bizarre, many ways. So um, if you notice, you've got some pretty big, huge wrinkles in there with your fabric. And what I have been kind of doing is I've been taking my fingernail or you could take the side of a ruler just like you do paper when you're trying to get a crease out of paper, that that's what you're trying to do is you're, you're running your fingernail or over it. And if you want to do all of them, I suppose you could, but for necessity of time, let's not. <laughs> um, do some of them as, as you will. So um, let's see, where are my handy dandy notes? Because notes are important. I was good. I wrote stuff down. Now, whether or not I follow it's another matter entirely. Come here, notes. Here we go, notes. Um, and uh, the other thing that I would, I would have done if I wasn't so keen, and I was really tempted, let me tell you, is iron my fabric, and that doesn't always work for people. So what you can do with cotton um, if you don't have an iron or if irons make you nervous, you can throw it in the dryer for a little bit and you want to pull it out right when it's hot and hang it up or lie it flat and it won't get rid of all the wrinkles, but it will really, really, really help, uh, particularly if your fabric's a little bit damp or wet. Um, so this is the part where you get to decide are you going to make a giant pocket? Are you going to make a bag? Are you going to have this on the inside of something? Uh, are you going to have this as a, um, um, a belt pouch? Like what, what are you, what are y'all going to do with your fabric? I know Tyann, you've got, you went and got everything. So what do you want to make? 
Yes, that means unmuting, Tyanne, I am asking you. <laughs> yes. Um, so I plan on making a big pocket so I can keep stuff in it, like all the sewing supplies. Oh, cool. So are you going to do a flap or do I get to teach you how to put in a zipper later? Um, or you could do a drawstring. That is That is an option too. Um, I haven't thought that far ahead yet. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, so if you're going to use the fat quarter as is, that's fine. Um, if you want a drawstring, then, uh, you can, and, and it, the fat quarter is not going to be completely square. It'll be mostly square, but not, not a hundred percent. Cause if you start putting, trying to put the corners together, you can feel they're slightly off. And that's normal. That that's average. When you go to a fabric store and you ask them to cut fabric, it's never going to be even. There's um, a couple applications where you can get your fabric even, and that's only if it's a woven fabric. If you can start to tear, it'll tear along the grain line, and that'll actually tear more evenly than if you try to go get it cut at the fabric store. The fabric stores won't do it. It's just it's just how it is. So, you, so when you get your fabric and you're trying to do quilting, part of that is you got to square up. Um, anyway, so if you're going to do a ginormous pocket and you're going to have a flap, then uh, fold your fabric in half and then pull it down maybe mm, about three-fourths of the way down so you've got a fourth of the fabric on the other side so you can have that as your flap um, if you want to do a drawstring bag then keep the two corners together so you know you have your fabric completely folded in half half um, if you want to do something smaller, are you going, is it going to be a heavy use item? If it's going to be a heavy use item, you might want to consider doubling your fabric. So what that would mean with this fat quarter is you would say, fold it in half. So you get your doubling, you get your double thickness. And then as I suggested, if you want to make it a you know, smaller pouch, but double thickness, you would then fold it in half again. So your fabric would be in a quarter um, and you would have some extra edges on top and on the side, which is fine. Um, so I'm gonna move on to needles and threads and stuff like that. If you got the pack of needles, I'm getting my zippered bag that has all my stuff in it. You can hear it, I'm sure. If you got the pack of needles, here's where you get to make your needle choice. Um, and you'll feel that there is a variety of sizes and thicknesses. There are, Differing thoughts on what you should, what kind of needle when and when you should use it. Like there's the thought that you should use a big, huge honking needle if you're gonna do denim. Um, there's another thought of school that says use a thinner needle because why would you wanna try to get that huge honker through that much denim whereas a smaller, uh, a thinner needle would pass through it more easily. My thought is you got to do what's comfortable to you. If it is easier and more comfortable for you to do to use the thicker needle on thicker fabric, do that. If it's more comfortable for you to use a thinner needle, do that. The other thing when you want to think about when choosing your needle size is what kind of stitch you're doing. So if I'm going to do um, a straight stitch, running stitch, or basting stitch, and that's, that's what it's known as. It's the uh, same stitch, just a different name. Um, I know that I'm going to be bunching up fabric on that needle. So I'm going to want to choose a longer needle, not necessarily a thicker needle, but a longer needle so I can put more fabric on there. Um, but if I'm doing like really teeny, tiny, delicate work, um, say in and around a fastening, I'm going to want to choose a shorter needle so I can really get in there, get, get those teeny tiny spots. Um, so 
I would say in this instance, probably choose a needle size kind of somewhere in the middle. And I am gonna go ahead and actually put it on my her needle. I'm going to put it on my needle threader. So I don't have to worry about where that darn needle went, where it is. Uh, and I can, I can find it easier. And I happen to use the Bowen uh, regular needle size, not the large, large uh, eye hole. Some people like the, the larger eye hole, that, that's totally cool. The next thing I'm gonna do is reach for my thread. Now today I am, where'd my bag go? My bag is under my fabric. Um, today I'm gonna go ahead and use your standard thread, the Guterman that I suggested people get because I figured that's probably what people would get. Um, if you do not have thread conditioner or beeswax, I recommend using shorter lengths of thread so you don't end up with all the tanglies on the backside. Um, the other thing to avoid tanglies and frustration is don't do double needle, double thread. So where you put the thread in and then you tie it at the end. You can do that, but you're gonna have to go slower. And again, I would recommend using a shorter length of thread. But those are the two biggest things that uh, end up happening is you use too long of a thread or you're doing doubles. So you get the silly, stupid tanglies and it takes longer. And yes, you, there are, you can stick your finger in there and kind of straighten it out as you're pulling it through. But the idea is to make this pleasant, enjoyable, less frustrating because uh, I hated hand sewing. And then I started looking at the historical examples and I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be frustrating. So, um, so yeah, I am, because I have beeswax, a beeswax cake, that's my preference. I'm going to grab close to the end of the thread. I have the um, spool kind of um, close to my shoulder and then I just pull a length out and that's about how much I'm personally going to use. That's what I'm comfortable with. I get the least problems uh, that way. So I'm pulling my handy dandy snippers out. Click, putting them back in the bag, putting the thread back in the bag. The next thing I am grabbing for is my beeswax and I'm going to pull my thread, you might be able to hear it along the beeswax. And I'm going to do this about three times. If I feel like I need it, I'll do it more than that, but usually about three times. And you'll feel that your uh, thread is a little bit thicker. It's um, in my case, slightly, it feels slightly sticky. It's not, but it feels that way. Uh, and the thread is stiffer. So it'll feel a little bit stiffer. It'll feel slightly thicker. Um, which I think is handy for when you're trying to tie knots at the end of it or when you're trying to thread your needle. Um, now, I personally, when I'm threading my needle, I, I put it between my two, uh, two fingers. So I'm holding it between the thumb and first finger. And I put the loop of the needle threader around um, sliding against the sides. So hopefully my thread went into the middle of that, which today it did. That does not always happen. Now, mom, hopefully you're around. She can tell you her way, which is different than my way. Mommy, mama, mom. I am here. All right. Tell, tell, tell the folks how you do it. Cause it's okay. different than me. It is different and it's kind of a weird way. And I know that there are little needle threader machines that work too. So there's other ways besides they, what they, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I have yet to have a needle threading machine that works well. I know some people have luck, but I, mm, I haven't had good luck. 
that's been my experience, but you know, not to say that it does work for other people. So this is going to sound kind of weird. So uh, I wasn't quite ready for that. Okay. So what I do is I take the needle threader and I put the part where the thread is going to go through up against my lips. And then I put the end of the thread up against that and I suck in like, you know, suck in some air and then that will pull the thread through the needle threader hole. And uh, that has worked very well for me for many, many years. And that way I don't have to poke and guess. And, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's how I do it. Do you want right. me to, to repeat it? Yeah. Okay. So what I do is I hold the needle threader, the hole where the needle, the thread's going to go through kind of between my lips, actually, and then take the end of the thread, put it on the other side of the hole where it's supposed to go in, and then I suck in air. And then that will draw the end of the needle into the eye of the threader. And I can pull it on through and do what I got to do. Ta-da! All right, we're going to pause here, make sure everybody has caught up if they've got questions on anything we've covered so far. Now's the time. So would you like for me to go over raise hand or? Um, or yeah. You do? Okay, so for those folks who uh, might not remember, um, if you're on a PC, Alt-A to mute and unmute, Alt-Y to raise your hand. Um, if you are on the Mac, it is option Y to raise your hand. I will lower your hands, by the way. Uh, Command-Shift-A to mute and unmute. If you are on the telephone, it is star nine to raise your hand. I will lower it. Star six to mute and unmute. Um, if you're on the app, the right side of the app, the bottom, the Zoom app on the smartphone, it is the um, more button. Click on that twice. Uh, if you see or swipe until you hear the raised hand or see a little hand, click on that. Tap on that, rather. It'll raise your hand. Um, beside the more button um, on the main screen of the app is the mute and unmute so there we go. We have one hand and it is Jill. Go for it, Jill. You may unmute. Hi, I just had a recommendation of a way that I that works for me for threading mm -hmm. a needle. And go for it. Um, I I buy the the needles with the large eye. Um, it was one that was actually recommended through the ACB crafters group. And uh, I don't remember the name, but I know it's a large eye needle and um, I get a stapler and I do the staple, like not on, just I close the staple oh, and let it fall out. That and is hook, clever. And then I, I hook the thread. It easily hooks on to the staple and then the staple just goes right through. So it's so easy and tactile. So you just have to make sure that you have a needle, eye of a needle that is, um, you know, can. Yeah, the big eye. The, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, it's, I found that like just so simple and fast. And so I thought I would share that. It, it is. And I, some of the, I put a link on the last week's note for big eye needles in case that was something people wanted. That's great. Oh, okay. I want to try that. Yeah, I was just, I don't know how I came up with it. I just, um, well, you've got a clever mind. You've got a clever mind. Necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. So I needed to get that through there. Well, yep. thank you. Yep. 
Um, the thing okay. that I would say to watch out for that you might have trouble with large eye needles, and this is totally a preference, I'm just saying it's a thing, is when you're using thinner, like all-purpose thread, um, that it'll it'll tend to come out a lot easier, which can be really frustrating to the sewing experience. Um, so just, just know that. All right, I see Carrie. Carrie, hey. yep. Carrie, hey, what I do you want? I had another. <laughs> hey, I have another way of threading a needle, but okay. this would only work with the larger ones. Or mm -hmm. I do it when I'm doing yarn crafts, like the looms for stuff. Um, uh -huh. They have these things called dental floss threaders. Oh, and they yeah. Are, yeah, they are actually for people with braces to thread dental floss through their teeth. And there are these like hoop things and there's like a, a loop on one end and it comes together and it's a point at the other. So it's really easy to put the yarn through the big They're loop. They're very and then bendy. They are very flexible, very easy to lose. They come in like a whole bunch in a little package. Um, but and, and they'll work with the larger eye needles, probably not with the little ones, but you know, it's just another cool trick. I've used it a lot with yarn. It's, it works really well. So there's another, another trick. Somebody showed me that at Oregon Commission for the Blind years ago, and I don't remember mm -hmm. who it was, but yeah. And then they also recommend me, recommended to me the self-threading needles, and I don't personally, I don't care for them because when I'm pulling a stitch through, they don't pull cleanly through the fabric like a regular needle does. And I've had, um, I've had them get caught in the fabric as I'm pulling it through. And I found that to be a very frustrating experience, but if that's what works for you and you like it, then do that thing. Well, and, and, you know, I've used the traditional, um, needle threader the little wire pieces mm -hmm. that come with them and so the thing with those is you put those through the eye of the needle and then you put the thread in and pull it yep. through yep and so so I've been pretty successful with those but I, I like Teresa's trick I'm gonna have to try that <laughs> you know I've done that thing of putting it through the eye of the needle but you have to have a really big eye on the needle too, so you're but... doing your trick with it with those loop needle threaders then and by the way you don't have to get them disposable like you normally see them coming in a sewing kit those are awful um you can get them really sturdy uh to where you can yank the hell out of them and they don't fall apart nice that's good to know yep gotta cut in somebody's just raised their hand uh, twice yep. um Number ending in eight seven four. Right. Thank you. Hi. Oh, this hey. is Catherine. And um, I am working on putting the batting on my dad's quilt for his birthday on the first of April. Uh -huh. He's turning ninety-two. Uh -huh. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I am now. It's like really cool. Um, I use the easy through dental floss loops and the the loop part, you can put the thread either through before you put the the four inch um, piece that you hang on to mm -hmm. um, through the needle, or you can put that the long piece through the needle first and then put the thread through. Yep. I love those, and my big problem with the ones you buy at the um, sewing store, I keep on breaking the pieces of wire, and they're quite expensive. So. Uh, you can get a package of 25 for five bucks and it's great. Yeah, I, Thank you. I, I don't get the, the cheap ones at the sewing store. I go for um, ones that are sturdier than that. And I've had good luck finding them on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon's great. Thanks. Yep. All right. We all, we all ready now, all together now. So the next thing we're gonna do is we've got our wax or conditioner on our threads, our needles are threaded, and now it's time to tie the end of the thread. So if you're doing single thread, uh, it is recommended to have in between four to six inches tail in terms of um, the short end that is that's through your 
needle because that'll help with the tanglies. I'm going to my really long end and my grandmother used to do it and I could never do it until pretty recently. I was just going, what are you doing? How do you just, uh, frustration. So, so I finally figured it out. And once I did, it was like, oh, this is easy, but it takes practice. So what I do is I hold the end of the thread in between my thumb and my first finger. I wrap the other, the long end, what I would consider the working end around my finger where it is just touching the end of the thread. And then I pull my first finger back along my thumb. So it pulls the end of the thread uh, through the loop several times, and then I pull down. And uh, sometimes you have to get in your middle finger to pull down. And more often than that, I ended, end up doing it a couple times. So I have a, have a larger knot at the end of my thread. Uh, I know there's other ways to tie knots, which, you know, like box knots and all kinds of other things. But I, I have found this. It took practice to, to be, uh, it's my preferred knot tying. It's not the only way. If you don't want to tie the knot on your thread, uh, immediately, that's fine because we'll, 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 you can do it once you stick your uh, needle into your fabric and then you can actually tie off there. So I have a knot at the end of my thread. I am grabbing my piece of folded fabric and I am actually going to start um, left or right side, take your pick by the crease that is the, going to be the bottom of my bag, pouch, pocket, whatever you'd like. And what I do is I actually start my first stitch in between so I can hide my tail in there. Um, oh yeah, I am missing a thing. I am missing my, where is it go? My thimble, which is really important. Thimbles are awesome. I love them to bits. But it took me a while. I used to not be in the believer of the symbol because I didn't like how I un, how I couldn't feel what I was doing. It was it felt pretty um, bulky, not comfortable. Uh, until I found this ring style of thimble, and I really like it. It still sits on the end of my finger, but it leaves the, my fingertip uncovered. If you're using a traditional thimble, metal thimble. It can be frustrating if it's not sized correctly to your finger. So if it's too big, it can feel like it won't, um, you know, it'll, it'll fall off. If it's too small, it feels like it's going to pop off and sometimes does. There are leather thimbles. You can get thimbles that are leather and have a metal pad on them. You can get um, thimbles that are entirely leather, you can, I mean, just the sky's the limit. Again, experiment, figure out what works for you. Um, so I, I got my trusty symbol on, it's very important. Um, so I start my first stitch going uh, in, the, in between the two layers. So, so the tail is hidden. And we're going to first do start doing a running stitch, basting stitch, straight stitch. So I have my thread coming out the back of my work and I'm, I'm, I'm a righty. Um, I'm not good at translating left to right. So sorry, South pause. I have my fabric in my left hand, my needle in my right hand, and I'm now going to put that needle from the back to the front. And I, I use my thumb's fingernail and my first finger as a guide to know where I'm at in the fabric. So I'm going to push it through because I've got my thimble on my ring finger. So I'm using the side of that uh, ring finger with the thimble on there to push my needle through. And pull slowly till, till you're done. So if you did not choose to tie a knot initially, 
in your thread, now's the time where you would do it because you pushed your thread, you pushed your needle through the front and then came around through the back. So right here's where you could stop and tie a knot if that is your preferred method. I'm now gonna go maybe, I don't know, millimeter away. And this is where your thumb and finger come in. So where, what I have done is I have my thumb fingernail right up against where I'm about to push in. I'm actually gonna scoot back just a little bit. Just, just you know, you can, you can feel the stitches under your thumbnail if, if you've got that. Um, some, I know not all fingernails are created equal, but you can, that, that's how I gauge my stitches to make them small is if I move my thumb back a little bit, then I know where to come back through the fabric next time to keep my stitches small. So I've now run through the front and I'm now to the back. I'm again, stitch from the back going to the front. So that's how you do a running stitch, straight stitch kind of slowly. Now, sorry for the microphone bump. If you wanna do it quicker, what you do is you stick your needle into the front, don't push it all the way to the back and you wanna push it in teeny, teeny, teeny small amount, as small as you are comfortable. If you gotta do it big to get your stitches down before you go small, do that. Practice, practice, practice. So while it is not all the way through, my needle is not all the way through, I'm gonna bend my fabric so I can uh, now push from the backside to the front. And then I'll do it again. Kind of like, you know, when uh, you're, you're making wrinkles, but you're making them on your needle. And again, this is where you're gonna find your thimble is useful when you have that back of the needle on the side of your finger. And you're gonna just go up and down, weaving that fabric on till it is, you know, to where it is, you know, comfortable or not comfortable to you. And then you'll pull your needle through all in one go and you'll get a bunch of stitches done. Sometimes needles can be a little hard to grab if you're doing too much at one time, but there you go, <laughs> you learn. So I, I have, because I'm doing a running stitch, I'm actually holding, when I pull my fabric on the back side of it, if I pull on the front side, I'll end up with a bunch of wrinkles and it won't end up flat. So just continue doing that a few more times. And you can, you know, if you really feel like doing it all the way to the end, you can, but I figure in a minute or two, um, I'd teach you how to do the back stitch and then we'll put it together and teach you how to do the running back stitch. And with those three stitches, you can do a heck of a lot. So if there's questions, comments, you haven't figured out how to do it, you need more instruction, now's a good time. Oh, what makes a basting stitch different than the running or straight stitch is the length. So the running and straight stitch, you wanna keep to a quarter inch to an eighth inch. And if you can help it smaller, if you're gonna do a basting stitch, which is used to keep fabric in place together with another piece of fabric or if using slippery fabric or patterns for that matter, it can um, help you do that. You wanna keep it like half an inch, maybe even an inch. And that is your basting stitch, similar technique. It is, it is great for that kind of thing. So oftentimes if I'm sewing a zipper in on my machine, I will baste it in first so I don't have to worry about pins and I can get it where I want to. And um, then I will take it to the machine and sew it and then take the basting stitches out. 
All right, on to the back stitch. So the back stitch, it's kind of the same process, but instead of moving forward, you're going to move one stitch back. Um, so you're kind of going to, all right, my, my tail is getting a little bit short here. So I'm, I'm readjusting and pulling my tail down a little bit longer because it would really suck to have my needle de-thread, but it happens. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna go from the front to the back, move, you know, a few threads down anywhere from an eighth of an inch to fourth of an inch, depending on how big you want your stitches. I'm gonna come up from the back to the front. And now I'm gonna go in behind close to where I initially went that um, the back to front. But this time, instead of going to that eighth of an inch, I'm gonna go a little bit in front of it. So I'm making my stitches about an eighth of an inch. So this time I'm gonna go a fourth of an inch. So it's a little bit in front of that. And then back to front pull, and I did the thing that I just didn't want to do, which is my needles unthreaded, and it happens. So, I mean, I did say this was going to be a sew along. This stuff happens. That's how it is. Any questions, comments? Y'all up to speed if you're actually sewing along? Or are y'all taking notes? I know some of you are taking notes. I love it. No, no, no comment from the peanut gallery. All right, got my needles threaded again. Okay, are the instructions for the back stitch clear or should I review? I see a hand. Tyann. Tyann, unmute. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, please repeat that again. Okay, starting from the beginning. Ba -ba. I'm going to stab my needle from the front of the fabric to the back of the fabric. I'm going to pull it through. I'm now going to move, um, you know, if you're doing an eighth of an inch length stitch normally, about an eighth of an inch down, I'm going to do stabby from the back to the front, pull it through. Now I'm going to go back about a fourth of an inch where I initially put that first stitch in. I'm going to stab it close to there, if not right on top of there. Going, stabbing from the front of the fabric to the back of the fabric. So instead of stabbing it again at the eighth of an inch, I'm going to go down a fourth of an inch. So it's a little bit longer. And that's where I'm going to stab from the back to the front. And then I'll move back an eighth of an inch, stab back to front, move forward fourth of an inch, stab. I hope I'm using back to front. <laughs> correctly. <laughs> now that one went back to front and then back an inch, eighth of an inch is front to back. Move forward a fourth of an inch and it's going back to front. Move back 
fourth of an inch front to back. Move forward. Am, am I making sense now? Um, no, this is something that uh, I think I physically need to see. Okay. So the long end of it is I'm kind of making these loops through the fabric. Like if there weren't fabric there, it would look like a series of loops. Um, you know, like when you take a slinky and when you, so like a slinky, you know, it's normally like a circle of loops, right? But when you kind of squish it down and it moves sideways, it's like that spiral kind of moves sideways. It's kind of what it looks like if you were to look um, on the side of the fabric down, if that makes sense. Am I making okay. sense yet? <laughs> sort of, yeah. So 22, it's like, by the way, Desiree. Huh? 22. 22? Okay. Yep. So I'm happy to stay on longer than this is going to get streamed. And I don't know what my host and facilitator, or my moderator and ACB host have time for, but I'm happy to stay on longer and, and get people sorted out. So the running back stitch, if you're there, is similar. So what that does, what you do there is you start out doing your running stitch like you normally do. Where the bleep did my needle go? I put it down because I'm hands explaining kind of a person and I didn't stab it in my fabric like I'm supposed to do. Silly me. So what you do with a running stitch is you normally is you're going to st start a running back stitch is you start out like initially taught where you're going to bunch the fabric up like, um, you know, you're crinkling fabric onto your needle. You're going to pull it through and then you'll go back an eighth of an inch, stab it from front to back, up again, forward the eighth of an inch, and then you'll stab it from back to front. So you've essentially made a loop which kind of locks those running stitches in place. And you'll do that again from that, that starting point is you'll run your fabric up, down, up, down, And you'll pull your needle, your yeah, words don't work. Apparently, you'll pull you'll, your you will pull your needle through. Go back an eighth of an inch, stab front to back, pull it through. Go an eighth of an inch forward, stab it again. So you've made like a little loop that locks the running stitches behind it. And this particular stitch tailors used to use for a very long time because it's, it's not the strongest stitch like the back stitch is, but neither is it the weakest stitch. But tailors once upon a time had to make garments really fast because there wasn't mass market um, sewing, there wasn't mass market garment making. So this is a stitch that they would use quite frequently because they could go fast, yet still keep, you know, good strength on those seams, which is kind of amazing. It's like, aha, that's where that comes from. That's why they did what they did. Are we clear? Are we crystal clear? Are we lost? Are we found? Are we somewhere in the middle? Yeah, this is the part where I'm asking y'all to speak up. Unless all of you are taking notes. Um, this is Jill and it's hey, Jill. clear. I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm making like a mental image of the different loops and um so the explanation is excellent groovy 
So I'm going to skip ahead several steps since we probably have close to 15 minutes left. And again, if you've got questions after the formal call is done, I'm happy to stay on and give you clarification. So um, if when you're to the part where you're ready to uh, where you've done both the sides up, so you have a pocket. Um, and you've got some raw edges, which that's a thing. You want to use what they call a whip stitch to finish your edges, or that's if you wanted to use a stitch. You could also get something called bias tape or you could get twill tape. But the idea is that you're gonna wrap your edges so they don't fray. So they don't, I mean, if you use pinking shears, it'll fray a little bit, but not a whole lot. That's actually a way that they, again, use to quickly finish an edge. And the pinking shears are also known as zigzag scissors. Um, but if you go get them from a sewing place, you know, Pinking shears is what you want to look for. And more often than not, when I'm cutting out patterns, fabric pieces for garment making, I just go ahead and use my pinking shears. Then I don't have to worry later about finishing my raw edges because the whole idea is you don't want them to fray because then they could fray so badly right up to your stitches, then, then the thing that you made falls apart and that kind of sucks. So the whip stitch basically looks like a spiral notebook. Think of a spiral notebook when you're when you're done with it. So you'll go um, in the front of your fabric, out the back, and you'll move forward just a little bit. So come into the back and then out the front. And basically, you're making a, a spiral, and you want to try to make those stitches as tight as possible. Because uh, it means it catches all those loose threads and it keeps it from, from fraying. And you're not going to go too terribly far out from the edge, um, maybe an eighth of an inch, which seems really small. Again, I'm talking really small. Sided stitchers, sided hand stitchers can get smaller than that because they can actually count how many threads they, they go. So let's say like, well, we only catch two threads. We only catch four threads. And I'm going, I can't see that small. There's no way. So this is my adaptation is, is to do it in inches because that's as fractions of inches because that, that's what I got. So what you would do is you would... Um, just do that all around the raw edges of your fabric. And once you've got those all done and your seams all done, you can then turn your pocket inside out. And voila, you've got a pocket. If you have a flap, you would also want to do those stitches. If you decide to do a drawstring, before you turn your pocket inside out, you would turn down the edges, the top edges of your bag to uh, and, and stitch that so you could then thread a yarn or cord or ribbon or whatever you would like to through it. So then it becomes a drawstring bag. If you decided you wanted to put a strap on it so you could use it as a crossbody bag, you would, um, while it's still inside out, use nylon webbing or really amazing satin ribbon if you felt like, or you could use a grain ribbon to the length of your choice. And you would stitch that flat on the inside, right on the seam itself. And then you do that to the other side and then you have a cross body bag. So yeah, sewing, hand sewing, does not have to be a pain in your ass. It can be fun. Start off with small projects, work your way up. Does not have to be the end of the world. Does not have to be a stressful, cranky thing. Is it for, you know, 20 some odd years used to be for me. Hated Jill it. has been enjoyed. Hated it. Really hated hand sewing. <laughs> and then I looked at historical examples and I'm like, oh, okay, this is fun. 
All right, go for it, Jill. I like the idea of the um, <clears throat> drawstring back because I um, started, I made these little like out of felt, they're little like rabbits. And mm -hmm. um, so I thought that'll be cute to So make a drawstring bag to use like as an Easter basket. Oh, so 100%. Yeah, so thank you for that idea of how to do that. Yeah, and you also could. I, want, I wanted to ask, you mentioned about historical hand sewing, and I'm a nonfiction reader, and do you have like a favorite book that you would recommend that um, you read or learn a little bit more just about the historical aspect of it? Um, I don't, um, there's several different YouTubers that I watch that do that. That's how I got into oh, historical okay. hand sewing was I started mm -hmm. watching them and they, there's one in particular that is coming out with a book that really goes into detail of hand, of hand sewing and knowing her, she'll probably throw in history. It's coming out in April. Her name is Bernadette Banner. Um, and her book's coming out, I think on Kindle, or you can get it in hardback, which does not help us, <laughs> but oh, it is coming. Yeah. yeah I but would, I would, I would, I would look for, yeah. if you're doing YouTube, I would look for Bernadette Banner, Morgan Donner and Kathy Hay. They are amazing. And I initially started watching them because I've been to, to, um, creating clothing that is, you know, within the 1950s, 1940s, if not older. Well, one of the mm -hmm. things they happen to do is talk about construction, how they constructed older garments, which is different than modern day construction. And uh, those garments tend to last a heck of a long time. So I'm like, mm, there's something to this. So that's how um, I got what it. What was Morgan? Morgan, what was Morgan Donner. Name? Morgan Donner. Yeah, yeah, Donner as in, you know, the Donner uh -huh. party. Yeah, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and there's a lot of um, those vintage clothing stores, oh, yeah. and I know people are really into that, and, and, and like you said, the construction of that. Well, thank you for those recommendations of you two. Sure. Those will be fun to listen to. You have about three till, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, eight. Um, eight well, I got till. three more minutes. I can actually talk to people, harass yes. them, or they can harass me. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> you got it. Look at all these quiet people. <laughs> Diane, she saved your bacon. Oh, I could talk more. You know me. All right, oh. go for it, Tyann. <laughs> so um, thank you for uh, doing this. I have a little bit more understanding. Just um, now I have some, now I'll have some questions um, when I get some assistance in person. Oh, devil's in the details, man. That, that, that is what I learned with hand sewing. It's those little teeny details that make all the difference from it being a hated, dreaded activity to, hey, this is fun and relaxing. I can do this. There's another raised hand. Yes. 874. Hi, this is Catherine again. Um, do you have experience with quilting? I have a little bit of experience with quilting. I actually, because I know that's something a lot of blind folks get into because it's easier to get into than, mm -hmm. um, so if I don't know, I'm probably can find out or point you in the direction to find out. So what okay. is your question? Do you have um, techniques to um, identify fabrics as you're putting um, 
uh, printing fabrics together for, for a quilt so you don't get confused and, and put two squares that are identical next to each other. And then my other question is, um, you talked about clothing construction. Is there a way for blind people to uh, lay out a pattern and, and cut it out? Um, my mom did flat pattern, which was using uh, a heavy plastic for uh, knit fabric. So thank you. I have yet to find, figure out a way to cut out the paper part of the pattern as a visually impaired person, I still need sighted help with that. What I have figured out is there's a lot of PDF patterns that print on, that you can print out. You still have to get somebody sighted to um, put it together for you and to cut it out, but it's on heavier, sturdier paper. And once it is cut out, then I can do my thing. Same thing with tissue paper patterns. It's very difficult for me to cut them out blind. That is like the only thing I have. I'm hoping there will be enough blind sewers out there who are into garment construction. We can figure this out, how to make it work for us. I've yet to figure that out. As far as fabric identification, when I'm in the fabric store, I usually have um, the person there identify the fabric. And if I need to, I will label it there in the store, usually with uh, safety fins of some sort. That's what I've used before. Mm -hmm. And then once I have stuff actually cut out, um, you can get giant, you know, two and a two and a half gallon and on up zip top bags, like Ziploc bags. So I can, you know, so if I pre-cut out just this one color, just this one pattern and put it in there, then I know what it is. And that that's how I've solved you know, that, that's, oh, that's works for a great me. idea. And, and do you label things in Braille or large uh, print? No, not at large print. Yes. I'm known to cut corners off of bags or like I'll cut V's into the top of those bags. So I'll put like, you know, three or four V's or like diagonal. So it identifies it for me without necessarily using Braille. Oh, I get it. Three, Thank you so much. Yep. Okay. Hyel's going to do her formal ending. I will stay on to answer more questions if that is what people need, want. Carrie will, uh, I think. Yeah, actually, oh, you Carrie want Carrie will. to do the ending? Yeah, Thank I you. I do want <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> All right. We want to thank our contributors and members of Whole Foundation and Learning Center for without their support, these calls would not be possible. We do have more classes this week, and these are not all on the ACB community call. So in a moment, I'll give you information to get on the foundation's email list. So tomorrow at one Pacific, you guys on the East Coast get to reverse everything. There's a presuming confidence. And then on Thursday, we have three sessions, all Pacific times at 10 a.m. There is cabin fever, coping with it through art. At 1 p.m. Pacific on Thursday, there's traveling outside your local area. And at 5 p.m. Pacific on Thursday, there's blind culture, does it exist? So some of these are going to be on the ACB community calls, but you will want to go ahead and get a hold of Whole Foundation. Plus, like I said, in the, in the beginning, we're doing a raffle. So the end of the raffle is May 31st. Buy tickets for that. Um, another exciting thing that we have coming up the end of April is a virtual living with sight loss seminar. And this is providing tips and tricks to help you live your life with your terms with efficiency, safety, dignity, and fun. And there are sponsorships. It's, it, they are asking for $50, but they do have sponsorships available. And there is a limit on how many people. And if this is real well attended, they get another uh, a wait list. They will offer it again. And it will be April 21st and 22nd from 10 a.m. to noon. And that is Pacific time. And you need to register by April 13th to get the goodie bag. So they're going to actually mail out stuff that's really apt to, to learn how to mark things and 
you know, live life to the fullest and give you some really good basic blind skills techniques. So for post-session notes from the sewing class and to get on the a monthly newsletter and get on their email list, you can reach out to Whole Foundation and Learning Center by dialing 503-668-6195. Again, 503-668-6195. Or you can send an email to oralhole at gmail.com. That's O-R-A-L-H-U-L-L at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.holparkfortheblind.org, and that's H-U-L-L Park, F-O-R, theblind.org. And we always end with a joke and a quote. So what did Captain Picard say to the sewing machine salesman? Make it so, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> okay. A point to ponder. This is an anonymous quote. Beautiful things come together one stitch at a time. Thank you so much for joining us today. And join us again next time for Whole Foundation Presents.